Sponsored by the UCD Innovation Academy. You're listening to An Entrepreneur Like You with Dr. Lolly Mansi. Hi, I'm Dr. Lolly, and you're listening to An Entrepreneur Like You. I'm an entrepreneur and a lecturer in UCD's Innovation Academy, and I teach entrepreneurship, innovation, and creativity. And I believe that entrepreneurs are both born and made. In this series, we won't be talking to the Elon Musks and the Richard Bransons of this world. We'll be talking to people just like you. Welcome to this month's episode of An Entrepreneur Like You with me, Dr. Lolly. And today, my gorgeous guest is Michelle Lawler. Hi, Michelle. Hi, hi. How are you? <laughs> Delighted to have you here. You're looking incredibly colourful and joyful. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> my beloved Joanne Hines. Yeah, no, it, it really works for you. Um, <clears throat> I'm absolutely delighted to have you. And we haven't really sort of hung around in person at all, but we've we've been in, in each other's ecosystems a little bit in terms of LinkedIn. And uh, I've seen your meteoric rise, as I may put it. So um, I'm absolutely delighted to have you here because you're one of those kind of guests that you would see and you see what they're doing and you notice and you press the little like buttons and go, yeah, go you when you're on LinkedIn. And I can see how everything's evolving for you, but we, we haven't had a chance to sort of sit down and unpack it all. So, um, I'm absolutely thrilled to have you here today. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for having me. Look forward to a good chat. <laughs> You're always very welcome. So let's take it back a bit. Um, I want to kind of talk about your life um, in Hong Kong, if we might start there. So what took you to Hong Kong in the first place? And um, what age were you and what, what did you end up doing? So I was actually living in London five years prior to going to Hong Kong and had come back in 2010 which would have sounded like madness because it was in the depths of the crash. Right. And I was living in London and I suppose a bit like Hong Kong, you know, I loved it until I hated it. I got to a point where, okay, I just, I just, I'm ready to leave. I'm ready to go home. So I moved back to Dublin in 2010 and... I had only ever had an adult job in London. Right. So when I came back to Dublin... <laughs> when you say was, adult, what do you mean? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know it's the nude wine company, but um, it's more to do with like a career job. Gotcha, So gotcha. I had worked in restaurants and things um, to put myself through college. Yeah. But when I moved to London, I, I got two pretty serious jobs. Right. Um, which were brilliant. And then I just got to a point where I was a little bit homesick and moved home. But I had only ever known a million miles an hour. Right. And then when I came back to Dublin, I was like, I feel like I'm in like reverse. Nearly. Yeah. Because, and it was 2010. Right. And it was just bleak. And I had... Well, it was every industry. And it was yeah. every industry. Yeah. But it was funny because London wasn't as bleak. Or maybe yeah. it just didn't sound as loud. You know, the bleakness wasn't as loud in London. Right. And so I was here for about um, a year. And I just got to a point where I could do my job in three hours. Right. And what and so, was your job at that time? I was working for a restaurant group doing uh, wine events and wine sales and okay. managing wine lists. Yeah, so wine is the only thing I've ever done. It's it's the continuum but yeah. from everything. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so I got to, I I was in Australia on a, a wine sales trip and I was like, wow, the world's so exciting. And at, the, at that time I was about 27, I think. And I just thought... If I don't go now, I'll, I'll turn 30 and the world will end. Well, now yeah. I'm about to turn 40 and the world doesn't end. <laughs> but I got to that point where I was like, okay, I'm going to have to go now before I get stuck, whatever stuck yeah, was. Yeah, and you're right, because sometimes, you know, you get into relationships and then it has to factor in or other things happen or you get a job and you stay or yeah. you buy a house or something like that. Exactly, yeah, and yeah. I was at a point where I was committed to nothing nearly. Yeah. You know, like I, I was in between apartments. You know, whatever I was doing, I was ready to move. So I just yeah. actually nearly having never I've been to uh, Thailand for a couple of weeks a few years prior to that kind of put my finger around a map and thought okay where am I going to go landed in Hong Kong 
for a wine professional, um, there's no tax, or certainly the wine, I don't know what the story is now, but there was no um, additional tax on wine. Right. And they had done that to increase the imports into China. Okay. So um, I just said, okay, it's a big wine hub. If yeah. it doesn't work out, I'll just move to Australia. That was kind of my thought process. Yeah, because Hong Kong's an unusual choice. Yeah, really unusual choice. Yeah. And I think, like, when I look back on it, I <laughs> never have the bravery to go and do it again yeah. when I think of how insane it is. And did and you I, know anybody there? No, I didn't know, I didn't know a sinner. <laughs> and, like, like mental, one-way ticket to Hong Kong. I don't know, when I think of, uh, like, what were my parents thinking? But sure, they can't stop a 27-year-old person who's like, no, oh, no, no, my life's going to be over somewhere really far away. I had 2,000 euro, which wow. is not a lot of money not to Hong make Kong. a new life. Yeah. No, yeah. not at all. And um, But what had happened in the run-up to it, uh, I had a pretty prestigious job in London. Right. And so I had reached out to the managing director of the company I worked for and a few of the high-profile winemakers and said, do you know anyone in Hong Kong? Who are the importers you use? Is there any way you could do an introduction for Great. me? Great, yeah. And everyone did, which yeah. is amazing. So I had 10 interviews and seven job offers after wow, 10 days in Hong Kong. very well done. Yeah. Now, I went, I, one, the lady who ended up hiring me, Irene, she's gorgeous. Um, uh, she said when she met, because I was so um, nervous and because I really needed a job. And you know when you really need a job? <laughs> you reek, kind of desperation. Of, reek of desperation. And so I was in a suit and like, I'm not a suit human. Yeah. And um, she's like, so she said after a couple of months, she's like, you are so not the person I interviewed, yeah. which is fine. Yeah. <laughs> but you are not this serious person. But in the interview, she said to me, you know, the classic interview question, where do you see yourself in five years? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I just said, God, I'd love to be married to an Italian guy and be in the vineyard. Because <laughs> like, I was like, I'm clearly not going to be in Hong Kong. And she said she gave me the job based on that answer. She oh, was really? Like, well, everything else, but she was yeah, like, yeah. yeah, so would I actually. And so her name's Irene House, Chinese lady, you know. Yeah. Brilliant. And um, she was like, yeah, we all would actually love yeah. to be married to that Italian guy in Tuscany. Well, it's um, the dream, right? It's the dream. Yeah. So, so <laughs> in the run up to moving to Hong Kong, I had I was thinking, okay, I'll just get a job in a bar. Yeah. And um, my, uh, some, I don't know who it was actually, I can still see his face, but I can't remember how I got chatting to him. He said, no, if you start in a bar, you'll stay in a bar. Go for true. a career job. That's which true. is why I'd reached out to previous, I suppose, people. And were you a buyer in London? Is that, you're a wine buyer? Or, no, no, so I actually had a job, um, so I was a restaurant manager. Yeah. And then I got hired as a job. The job was called The Apprentice. And it was kind of like, the, I mean, the name was after Alan Sugar's TV. Program. Right, okay. Um, but uh, the wine um, importer is called Liberty Wines. And they started this program that was to get someone in the wine industry. Because a lot of times people, even in Ireland, I see it now, in the wine industry, they know about wine. They don't yeah. know about Excel spreadsheets. They right, don't know about right, right. office skills, admin, sales, closing, all right, these things. Right, right, right. So the point with The Apprentice was to take someone who was into wine and make a great business person out. Great, give them all the foundations. Yeah, so yeah. I was the first apprentice. Oh, how exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was mad when I think about it. And I often think with the Irish accent, and you're, so you're from the UK? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the UK, you find, especially in London, like people can tell what school you went to by your accent. Yeah. You know, so you get graded on your accent. And I found as an Irish person going in, I just had an Irish accent. Right. So it, it, it was hard to grade me. Do you know yes, that way? Yeah, so yeah. it just opened so many doors to not be English. Yes, yes, of London, course. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, so that's what I was doing before I left. So okay. because of that, it was quite that a high profile sense. job. It was the first job that I was the first one now they're doing it. They started in 2007, so they've had 16, I'd say, yeah. at least. Um, so it was a really good program. They sent me to Australia, I said, sent me to New Zealand, sent me to Italy. Uh, I worked in credit control, I worked in warehousing, worked in marketing. So they made a well rounded business. Yeah. Person. Yeah. Very um, nice. Yeah. So, I mean, London was amazing. There, I left there when I was 27. 
It must have been 29, maybe. I can't remember. Okay. I feel like it was all a blur. And, um, but another friend of mine who had just done an MBA when I was preparing to move to Hong Kong, he said, now what you say is, don't say, oh, hi, I'd like a job. You say, I'm interviewing and I can take appointments on Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> Imagine how ballsy I was. Fantastic. So anyway, I interviewed who turned out to be like the most influential people because I asked the most influential people in the UK who of course introduced me to their counterparts in Hong Kong. So I I got seven job offers. I started with this brilliant company um, called Altai Wines and Paolo Pong, huge businessman, comes from a family of business people and is the biggest buyer of Burgundy and Bordeaux in um, uh, China and Hong As Kong. luck would have it. As luck would <laughs> have it. There's no luck involved. Yeah. It was savvy business uh, on your part. Yeah, so, yeah, well, do you know, it was just taking a punt and actually yeah. it's amazing. Um, you know, would you do it now? 15 years later, it probably wouldn't be that bulgy, but I didn't know any yeah, different. I didn't know lose. anything. Yeah, nothing, nothing to, lose. to lose. That's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Love it. So there you are. You've now got a really great job in Hong Kong. Then what happens? Um, God, it took me about six months to realise where I was. Yeah. I know that sounds like a really stupid statement to make, but it was like six months before I understood anything about how you do business somewhere else. And right. it took me six months to understand that there is a different way, a different, yeah. a different understanding. So I was there... Uh, with Paolo for a couple of years and then another wine company which had an English arm so I ran their Hong Kong office okay. um, for a couple of years before I moved back and it was great loads of travel loads of fun loads of adventure um, highly recommend people just leave go something go somewhere different do something different yeah. get out of your comfort zone because it totally changes yes, absolutely. everything about how you approach life and was it an, like an expat life that some people fall into in Hong Kong? Or, yeah. 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 And it's quite cliche in so many ways. Right. Like, um, I would say I maybe had three friends who were from Hong Kong. Yeah. And everyone else common. was. And it's understandable because everyone else has their own cliques, their own friends. And, you know, sure. it's such a transient lifestyle. Yeah. So if you're, you know, living in Ireland and there's constantly, you know, or someone coming in every two years and leaving every two years. It's yeah. kind of an exhausting way to have a have a friendship with someone. But when you're an expat, everyone just moves. So it actually reaches a point where I think it's after about three years, you need new friends because everyone else is gone. Yes. So yeah, you're kind of yeah. like, realise, oh God, all those people I knew are no longer here. I Last f- one standing. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I think there are only two people who I w- would have been friendly enough with still in Hong Kong. Everyone's yeah. gone. And I left five years ago. I mean, I worked in Tokyo for, I did oh, cool. a year in Tokyo and I did sort of three months at a time because, you know, technically allowed to work there. Yeah. So, so and, and a lot of that was sort of bar work and uh, and, and sort of nightclubs um, because it's all sort of, you know, cash in hand and that sort of that sort of aspect. But I think in, in terms of, of that hustle that you have when you're somewhere so very different, um, you have to learn very quickly how to negotiate yourself in that space. But at the same time also, uh, everyone that I was around was there... I mean, hustling to the extreme. It was like, we're in Tokyo to make a lot of money and then we're going to be gone. So it was the same kind of feeling in Hong Kong yeah. because of the tax break that yeah. sort of people yeah. were there to maximize their yeah. their financial aspect rather than, you know, they party hard, but they are, they're still got one eye on the ball in terms of... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The whole thing is to have a good job, earn a lot of money, save as much as you... Exactly, yeah. said, save as much as you can, but also have great adventures. Yeah. Um, make the most while you're out there. But there's, like, the the um, tax rate is 14%. Yeah. So, and I was on a really big salary. And I was the... I was always sales commission as a salesperson. Right. And so I just worked hard to get as many sales and as big sales as possible, which you can do. 
Um, and it was a really interesting business model in the second job that I had. And it's mm-hmm. why I have the nude wine company now is because um, I saw that having come from Ireland in the crash. Yeah. Right? So Irish people are notoriously bad payers. They won't pay their bills. They have to be chased. They want 60 days, 90 days, well, all this credit. Right. And I, it's funny, had you not gone to anywhere else, you wouldn't understand, like, that's actually, doesn't life doesn't have to be like that. Right. And so with the web company and the clients that I'd had in, in the UK, or in, in Hong Kong, people paid before the wine was dispatched. Wow, well, okay, it's like, yeah. It's, it's like a revelation. And it's not like you go to Dunn's and you're like, put that on my account and I'll pay for that <laughs> next month and then I'll, like, change my card detail. Yeah. You know, so it's it's paid before dispatch. And I had seen that and it was it was... I suppose for me a huge light bulb moment right. where that you can run a company and not have debt or yes. sorry not have creditors yeah, yeah like yeah. so that was the, the one of the basis for doing the nude wine company and, because, and, and very interesting because you know you'd left during sort of the tail end of the recession where so many businesses had gone and a lot of that reason was was either the key money or retail or rent uh, but also the bad credit you know they just literally nobody could pay anybody and that's why you know so you were going down because somebody of somebody else very often absolutely yeah, absolutely yeah. and it was you know having seen it in Ireland mm. um firsthand having in the UK I remember in um I had a bar job actually before I was the apprentice in the, in the importers and, and there was two marketing guys and it was a wine bar down, like proper dungy wine bar un- de- un- underground and these two guys in marketing they used to drink a bottle of rosé every day at lunch and oh God, I know every lunch. day and the rosé was and and carry on yeah 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 yeah. and the rosé was so that it didn't stay in their lips like every day some days they'd have like two they'd have at least a bottle of wine each and I remember them saying and it must have been uh, oh God 2007, 2007, I would say. And they're like, oh no, there's a big crash coming. And for me, the only crash I, you know, could or would have any recollection of is my parents talking about how bad it was in the 80s. Right. So I was like panicking, going, oh my God, this crash. But and you're of course also like, I heard it at the bar. Yeah, no, and I, and I heard it by the, by the two drunk guys. So surely it can't be true, like the two drunk guys. Um, but it was mad to actually see all that. Yeah. But then go into the big importers and then see how a company, and they're huge now, um, to see how a company that's big and has the promise to be bigger. Yeah. How do they manage that? Yeah. And that's a lesson as well. And it's one of the things I find with networking is that surround yourself with people who are bigger than you so you can think bigger. Yeah. All I the time. Agree. All the time. Because if you surround yourself with people of equal size or smaller, you will stay equal size or smaller. It's incredibly so. good advice. And you're absolutely yeah. right. Always hire people that know more than you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. There's an Ogilvy thing where they talk about, you know, the Russian dolls. Yes. Um, and I, and again, things that stick. I yeah. think he was interviewed on the radio and I possibly was only 20. And I remember hearing this thing of, you know, if you hire people smaller than you, you will shrink. So you have yes. to hire people bigger than you so you can grow. Oh, I love that. That's, yeah. that's really good advice. Yeah. So back to Hong Kong. Oh, yeah. Sorry. You're in Hong Kong. You're working. You're three years in now. And you're making a decision to leave. Five years before Five I years, left. okay. So I was five years, five and a half years. And there's a thing in Hong Kong that if you can stay seven years, you get permanent residency. Okay. And I had arrived in 2012, left in 2017. And in 2014, there was the Umbrella Revolution. Re- revolution yes. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. So it was really kind of odd time to be there. Um, I definitely am glad I left when I did. But I got to a point where um, Brexit had happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I that great had a, decision. Yeah, that, that great decision. Um, <laughs> I had a terrible boyfriend. Um, I in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong. Well, that always helps as a, as oh, a catalyst. I'll tell you if there's ever a reason to leave. And <laughs> I the, the lease is up in my apartment. Right. And there was just the this kind of perfect storm. Yes. And yeah, I yeah. called my mom and I was like, I think I'm coming home here. And uh, I was like, can I come live with you? Now, this, I'm in, you know, 35. <laughs> I'm really annoying. She's um, like, yeah, we've moved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, and I'm really like, um, I suppose most entrepreneurs, like headstrong, have my own view of everything. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, can I live with you? And she was like, yeah. I'm sure she was like, yeah, Through not really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Through great teeth, exactly. And um, so within one month, packed up everything and left. Wow. And it's actually really hard to wrap up a life in a month. When you think about it, like just bills. Yeah. It's taking a day off work to go and like go and close down all the bills, uh, pack up, find someone to take my lease. And you were so. leaving obviously with a, you know, an, a nice nest egg, obviously from the yeah. amount you earned, but like kind of, so you didn't need to rush into a job particularly, but did you have an idea of what you might do when you came back? I had actually befriended, now he's now currently the Consul General for Nigeria, I think I saw recently, mm. um, a brilliant ambassador called Peter Ryan. And I had been to a couple, he was the ambassador in Hong Kong or the right. Consul General. And he was just really inclusive. So he invited, if you randomly bumped into me, say, oh, come to one of the breakfast meetings or evening meetings, you know, networky things. And I just thought, God, Ireland is so amazing. He made you think like that. Yeah. Irish produce is so amazing. We should be everywhere. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go and do some type of course in growing produce. Okay. So I went and when I came back, because I definitely didn't want to do a master's. I was yeah. so burnt out. I didn't want to, I didn't have the need to travel because I'd actually traveled so much. I had cycled across Myanmar. Oh, Thailand, amazing. Cambodia. Yeah. Like I'd done, never mind all the other bits of I've, yeah, I've yeah. Loads of adventure. I didn't have the need for adventure. Actually, what I had the need for was a bit of recuperation. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do this course. And to this day, it's the only thing I've ever failed. <laughs> <laughs> Was it horticulture? Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I, I love the garden. I love growing. I have um, my cucumber seeds and tomato seeds in the, in the windowsill at the minute trying to get them going. Um, but I realized you have to have a lot of money and produce to make any money in horticulture. And Indeed. I realized that very early on. And I was like, okay, I'll kind of go on with the course. I enjoyed it. I made some friends. I learned loads. Um, and I remember being in this class, this really brilliant guy called Chris is the teacher. And he said, the only way you, uh, the only things who earn any money in Ireland are um, things, four tit, what did he say? Four tits and a tail, as in a cow. Like you needed cows. <laughs> you needed, you know, it's beef. It's, right? Yeah. Right. But his joke was, you know, you needed uh, four tits and a tail to be worth anything in agriculture or whatever Got it was. It. So anyway, I was like, ah, oh, here. And that was kind of at the moment where I was like, yeah, <laughs> two and two out of yeah. here. So anyway, I left and um, got a job and realised very quickly that my, my brain was different. Um, my, my, my experience was so different. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't actually a job to match my experience that I had. Coupled with being a bit pig-headed and wanting to do, you know, I thought I knew better. And, you yeah. know, as most people do, that's why you start your own business, you know. Sure. Um, and so I started, I left permanent employment um, in 2019, yeah. in the April or the May. And then it took six months to get the license, um, to get the website up and running, to get all everything ready. And we launched the new wine company in late October of that year, 2019. So prior to COVID. Wow. Yeah. That even just this, and I know there's so much more to come, but even just hearing that part of the trajectory of, of literally geographical location changing, the failure in the horticulture, which of course is a gift because it 
propelled you into something else. Uh, absolutely incredible. We're going to take a short break. And after this break, we're going to hear your next phase. Okay, welcome back, everybody. So we're talking to Michelle Lawler from the Nude Wine Company, and we just left her before the break where she was saying that she had launched a company. But obviously, it doesn't happen overnight. So you're living at your mother's. <laughs> you've come back from Hong Kong. You've got a bit of a nest egg to invest in something. What was the procedure or the protocol that you went through in terms of, of conceptualizing this business? Yeah, I don't know how other entrepreneurs are. How long do you sit on your idea before you yeah. think, I can't wait any longer? Um, so I had been thinking about it because all I, like I wanted to do wine e-com. I believed in the model. I had seen how the model worked. I saw yeah. how it was, I mean, it, you know, one of the basic things, it was cash positive business. Yes, you know? absolutely. So I was like, how can I make this happen? And I was asking people, you know, friends, like vague friends, would you like to go into business together? And no one did. And I just I bet they're kicking themselves now. <laughs> Well, I just thought, I'm going to have to do it myself. Yeah. And so I suppose I can think a little bit of timing. And when the timing was right, I just thought, okay, this is my moment here. Yeah. And it's amazing because um, I registered the business, I think it was, or started the process mid-May, took four weeks by the time, and to sell alcohol, you have to be VAT registered before you can then apply for your license and all yeah. these kind of things. Um it takes six months to get it going. Yeah. And I was, it was a bullish six months where I was like at the, the solicitor at, you know, the people that you need to get your business live, yeah. the web developer, all these things. Right, and, right. and you have to be so disciplined to get um, all the content together because content is huge. Of course. Um, Description. Did you have an idea for your brand, or yes, yeah, so we'd already decided okay. on the the name of the company. Um, so the nude wine company, I suppose it's because. All the wines that I loved, um, I found you couldn't get them in one place in okay. Ireland, you know. And certainly if you could, it was, and this, I suppose a few years ago now before everyone was online, like you'd have to drive up to the shop in yeah. Dublin. You yeah. know, you couldn't just Google it, find it and have all these beautiful, organic, sustainable, natural wines. So that's what I wanted to focus on. Right. And the previous job that I had been in, I was able to I, you know, because I, I was making wine lists, I was able to know what wines I wanted, know who I wanted to work with, know what I wanted to sell. And then on top of that, like the, the name, the Nude Wine Company, my boyfriend actually came up with it. And um, we'd only started dating and we were texting back and forth, actually. So I had moved out of my mom's. I was in <laughs> rented accommodation in Lucan. And we were kind of joking back and forth about names. And I used to be an avid skinny dipper. Okay. So, um, and I have a number of photographs where I'd pose naked oh, in front brilliant. of a landmark. I'm loving this. Yes. Anyway, I have loads of photographs to show you later, Lolly. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> and um, so it was kind of a joke that, you know, the wines that I liked were closer to nature and the nude yeah. wine company. And that's where the name came from. Um, we're lucky it's not skinny dip wines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so the wines are all organic? Um, so I suppose like organic, not that it's out of date now, but I suppose yeah. it's a bit like uh, in a corner, kind of like fenced Agreed. off. Yeah. Whereas yeah. sustainable, I think a few years ago, I would have thought it was like greenwashing a little bit. Right. But in fact, now there are a lot of certifications and um, boxes you have to tick to yeah. say that you're sustainable. Yeah. And a huge part of it is also, you know, water conservation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's, there's so... Much bigger well, you can have it. an organic wine that's not good for the planet. So yeah. 100%. you can't, you can't, you know, so, so organic is about the vineyard. Yes. But it's so specific. It's just the vineyard. Yeah. So it's just about not putting any chemicals right. on the vines. And then you can go into the winery, like you say, yeah. and you can, you know, use really bad diesel. Yeah. You can, 
use too much electricity, you can use too much water. Yeah, you it's can not a guarantee not of, of being green. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so there's a couple of things. So there's organic, which is basically no chemicals in the yeah. vineyard. Then there's biodynamic, which yeah. comes from the Steiner School. Yeah. Um, but it's a very holistic approach. Um, so like biodiversity, no chemicals, and then going by the lunar calendar. So there's a little bit of witchcraftery in it. Yeah. Um, but it's very powerful and you can taste a biodynamic wine yeah. straight up. Yeah. Like you can tell when you're having a glass of wine, why is there more life in it? And I know yeah. it sounds like a really abstract thing, um, but if you were to try something, I would. I use the at Dundrum Shopping Centre quite a lot um, as an analogy for people. And they ask me, why do they get such bad hangovers from some wines? <laughs> and um, so wine is alive. Yeah. Okay. So if you have a tank of wine the size of Dundrum Shopping Centre. Yes. Okay. It's like milk. Right. They're both live products. Yeah. So if you have a tank of milk the size of Dundrum Shopping Centre. Yeah. And one part of it spoils, the whole thing is spoiled. Right. So the risk management is preservatives. Yeah. It's sulfur. Yeah. And so if you use wine or if you drink wine that's produced in huge volumes, big enough to be advertised on the TV, right. etc., it's produced in huge volumes. So your risk management to make sure it's all okay is to go higher on the preservatives. And that's the bit that's caused the hangover. That's the bit that caused the hangover. Yeah. So we, Makes perfect sense. Yeah. So the smaller ones, like a lot of guys who are, you know, invested in organic, biodynamic, natural, sustainable. Yeah. They don't want to use something extra because they're not just making the wine for now. They're make, they want the land to survive. Yes, absolutely. Um, so you can taste the life yeah. that's coming from the vine nearly and the minimal intervention as you go through the, yep. the, the winemaking process. You can taste yeah. it like yeah. straight up and then you feel it the next day. And people say to me, I still get it. Since I started drinking your wine, I haven't had a hangover. And it's not that they haven't had a hangover because it's still alcohol. Like, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, you're still going to get one, but it's that they haven't got that Prosecco pain in your side of your head where you can't think straight. For two days. I would call this the toxicity of it. Really. Yeah, 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 basically. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one selling point. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but it's funny, I use Dundrum Shopping Centre a lot to help people understand like about the thing about sulphur because sulphur naturally occurs in wine anyway. Yes. But if you are using, like if your vessel is the size of this booth, yes, of course. you need very little extra. Yeah. You know, it'll mind itself. But yeah. if it's the size of the shopping centre... Well, I think it's also about, you know, the uh, what are we doing in the terms of sort of a big business, you know, a sort of monoculture, like kind of, you know, those, you know, all of the, most of the wine you would buy in a supermarket is, is absolute rubbish because it's just mass produced. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's it's produced at such a volume that, you know, there could be, uh, there's very little margins for anybody for a starter, but it certainly wouldn't be sustainable for a small vineyard. And a lot of the vineyards, we have to protect them because of the thousands of years that they've been evolving. But it's know? the land. Yeah. Um, I was only talking to a guy from the idea yesterday um, and there are he reckons he was saying in Texas places like that there are actually only 70 harvests left in some pieces of land yeah. and so if you have two harvests a year that is 35 years of food crop unless right. it changes like there's huge things about why you shouldn't yeah. that those mass produce things now you still need, you know, like uh, you might, you still have your, your budget for the week. Right. How many bottles of wine do you want in your budget for the week? You know, there's some decisions yeah. that you have to make. You yeah, know, absolutely. Do you eat less meat? Do you, do you do certain things? Do you drink less, drink better? Yeah. You know, there are just different conversations to drink have. Drink less, drink better. I like that very much. Yeah. 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 And, and that being said, like we have organic wines. We have a sustainable wine from Romania that we sell for 12 euro. So it yeah. doesn't mean you have to spend huge amounts more couple of euro here and there means you're putting better, like what you're putting into you is yeah. less toxic. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not supporting that really aggressive take the resources kind yeah. of approach at all costs. Who is your customer? Um, you. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> apart from me. <laughs> so as per our um, like MailChimp or any type of analytics that we have, um, it is women over 35. Right. So it is you. Uh, so, but you know, well, it, it actually it, is me because I, I do my own. Yeah, yeah, and, and it is but so, but that's it. It's so yeah. it's very female um, oriented. Um, a lot of the times, they would say I had a, re- a friend in Hong Kong actually at a restaurateur, and he said he always made the restaurants. He always created them with the, the woman in mind because the women made all the decisions in the household. Yes. So, um, so it's interesting. It's a little bit to do with that. Yeah. Um, that that's why women, are, I suppose, are so prominent in the statistics. Um, We've changed the way we do stuff on the website a little bit to do more case deals. Yeah. And so we now do 6% off 6 and we found that's where all the men were. Uh, Isn't that a mental concept? So the, the men are in the bulk buy yeah. and the women are in the single buy. Not in the single buy, but in oh. the, I would like a Sauvignon, a Pinot Grigio, an Albarino and a Malbec. Oh, they're mixing it up and they're the men mi- are taking the, one of every the yeah. same. Yeah, yeah so you, men yeah. want, you know, a box of something at a discount, whereas I think the ladies are I just want a little bit more discerning. A bit more, not, not necessarily, I suppose wanting a bit of variety. <laughs> I think that's a metaphor for life. Is it? <laughs> I think it could be. Um, but but it's funny that yeah. a lot of a lot of the women and we would see like we've great return customers and they yeah. just like to have different things in the cupboard depending on what they're feeling like. Do yeah. you have like a surprise box option? We don't have a surprise box box option, but we have themed boxes. So okay. um, like a passion for Pinot box or Malbec or Rioja or Winter Reds. Yeah. Like yeah. What's your favourite? I would, a bit like my answer to Irene Ho over in Hong Kong, uh, Italian, Tuscan. <laughs> I was talking about what wines I'd like to drink about a forever. Strong really. Italian, isn't it? <laughs> I, I like Sangiovese. I actually like a nice medium bodied, okay. um, loads of intensity, but Sangiovese, which is Chianti and Brunello, would be my go to. Yeah. Italian red. Love. For white, I love Chardonnay. I would joke that Chardonnay is my middle name. Um, and I love all types of Chardonnay. So Chablis is Chardonnay. It's yeah. steely and crisp and very dry and there's no oak. And then I love the really, really oaky ones as well. Yeah. And there's a place for everything. People always tell me how much they hate Chardonnay. I'm like, you just haven't tried the right one. Oh, that's a very good answer. Yeah. And that's true. They probably haven't. They yeah. probably just get the fruity, nasty stuff from yeah. uh, the supermarket. The vanilla essence stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah 100%. Yeah. What impact did COVID have? Huge for us. So we yeah. started trading in late October 2019 and in January 2020, I'd said to my boyfriend, what have I done with my mm. savings? I need to get a job. And then had a total wobble. Had a business, got a business mentor via the local enterprise office, yeah. which was brilliant. Um, and she basically sat me down and she's like, okay, oh, you know, where are you going to get money from? What are your revenue streams? How much money do you want to get from each of these revenue streams? Yeah. I was like, oh my God, where has this woman been on my life? Because like, I had no idea. I was like, you know, yeah. oh, um, so we kind of made a plan yeah. and it's amazing all I had was a plan that yeah. I was moving forward and I felt like I was making inroads which was huge you know and like I had in January of um, 2020 so the business was maybe eight weeks old mm-hmm. I didn't sell anything for three weeks right no it was January anyway yeah no one knew who we were right um, and now that I look back on it the website wasn't SEO friendly at all you know there was just yeah. no way to be found what am I going to do here and then Having lived in China, and I was reading the news, I said to my boyfriend, they're after locking up 25 million Chinese people. Do you yeah. know how hard that is? Yeah. This is bad, whatever's coming. Yeah. So that was kind of playing out in the background. I had events planned, um, and I'm based in Kildare, and they were like all getting cancelled, and I was right. starting to panic. And then, as the dust settled, um, and I suppose you kind of got some grasp of what was going on, our business started to do really, really well, for a number of reasons. How did they find you? We start doing a thing called Nude Wine TV. 
Okay. Our clothes were on. Um, <laughs> I just have to say that. Um, so it was live Facebook wine okay. tastings. And we were the first company to do them. Smart. And um, it was basically myself and my boyfriend in the kitchen. And I was in the corner of a kitchen with, and I used to draw a map, I'm quite good at drawing, of whichever the wine region was. Yeah. I'd have a couple of bottles in front of me. Um, and my boyfriend would be asking questions and we'd just be having a chat. Okay. And it's funny, we still... We and still a few got, drinks, of course. And a few drinks, Friday night. <laughs> yeah. And so people just tuned in and watched. And we still get comments back of, oh, bring back new wine TV days, which is mad. And even for us, we think, um, go back to basics. You yeah. know, what what, yeah. what brought us a lot of our core customers, certainly for that period of time. Yeah. Um, and also... Um, in late uh, February of that year, Karina Hardgrave, who was the wine writer for the Irish Independent, had just written a thing about me just being kind because I was a startup right, yeah. um, in the newspaper about my wine tastings. And a guy from Salesforce saw it and he called and he said, I just wondering if you do virtual wine tastings. Now, I would say this could have been maybe the 20th of March, 2020. Okay. Wow. And I'm like any business person who would like to grow I said yes yes we do thought oh my god how is this going to work and so the first we had, were the first company in Ireland to have a virtual wine tasting page wow. on our website Very cool. and yeah like we were straight up gone onto the web developer I was like I need a virtual wine tastings page I need yeah. like a contact button I need yeah. to get this thing going and so Salesforce have their internal comms and yeah. he shared our details and so wow. Salesforce were huge for us yeah. for 2020 because we got just customs yeah. people and just being busy doing one thing while the other thing was growing Yeah, and it's so hard like if you have nothing growing like you panic so it was you know they kind of fed off each other and we got a lot of repeat customers from the people who were you know, doing our virtual wine tastings. So talk me through how it was working in those days. It may have changed now, I think, but um, in those days, so you've got, where have you got the wine? In some kind of... So in the warehouse. In the we warehouse, have, yeah, right. So we have it stocked yeah. um, and someone would place an order yeah. and we would dispatch it. Okay, but so you're the, packing those boxes yourself? Yeah, we're packing them ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Are you still packing them yourself? Um, the uh, wheel in the warehouse packs. <laughs> but yes, Good we are still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we're still packing them ourselves. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And we've recently we've just actually changed over to DPD for our deliveries. Yeah. And it's really interesting. We've so we've been through everyone. So we've been through all the big couriers. And <laughs> I'd say breakages are an absolute nightmare. We have no breakages. <gasps> How do you get around it? Will in the warehouse. Uh, he's amazing. He's amazing. <laughs> and, and Tony as well. They developed him. Um, I suppose we started off at one courier who were not very good. Yeah. And the joke was, if you could throw it against the wall and it didn't break, you could send it. No joke. You could send it with them. Because the first package we sent out, it's so funny to look back at how naive we were. We put our four or six bottles in this beautiful box that we had designed gave it to the courier and thought lovely and then they all broke <laughs> of course and it's made like you have to learn how do we make it so that it yeah yeah um so anyway we gave our because dpd actually wanted a trial package yeah and um so we just sent did the trial part so we actually filled empty wine bottles with water yeah sealed them up packed the way we normally would sent it off with them and he came in today and he's like normally we get comments saying they have to do this this and this but yours was perfect great but it's be, we've nearly no breakage and breakage wine isn't insured Okay. So if I send you a box of wine and I don't do a good job in packing it up, uh, you're not going to get it and I'm going to lose the money on it. Yeah. That's it. So yeah, then we have yeah. to resend it to you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's just loss making. So there's no room actually for breakages. Yeah. And people think there is or whatever they expect from courier companies. Yeah. But um, effectively, like most of them, you know, it's you're, you have to work really hard to make sure there's no breakages because they won't. What is it that keeps your customers happy? 
Uh, speed to market. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, when you do any conversations or you ask for feedback or reviews, quick delivery service is always up there. Yeah. Um, what people love is actually how we communicate about wine. Okay. Um, how we describe it, the language we use, the, um, we'd say great wines, no notions. So yeah. it's, you know, an easy to understand message. And I would always say to people, this isn't, you know, these descriptions taste like a summer's uh, <laughs> evening on a winter's night and all <laughs> sure. this stuff. And it's like, what does that taste like? <laughs> you know, what is actually in the wine? Why does it taste like this? And how can I find something similar when I go somewhere else? Right. So um, for us, a huge thing is the language. Yeah. Um, the wines we choose are very nice. Yeah. So a lot of people love um, not only how the wine tastes, but how it makes them feel. Yeah. You know, the next day, they feel great. They've had a lovely glass of wine. Yeah. And certainly we've seen over the last period of time, I suppose the last 18 months or so, um, people have got used to not going out. Yeah, absolutely. Saw the value of, you know, entertaining at home, having a nice meal at home, making Saturday night a little bit nicer at home rather than going out. Because yeah. to go out, restaurants are more expensive. You have to pay for the babysitter. We're nice. So if you're going into the city, there's taxis and everything involved. Sure. So we found that um, the... Um, the experience of our wines. Yeah. You know, for us, like we're not selling a bottle of wine, we're selling a, a really nice experience. Well, that's a really good way of thinking about it. Um, tell me in, give me an example of how you would describe a particular wine so we can get a sort of a flavour of the language that you use. Oh gosh. Um, so one that's really popular for us yeah. um, is a wine. So this is a probably, I don't know if it's a good or a bad example. Um, so it's, Really quirky label. I'm sorry I didn't bring a bottle in actually now that we could so have done a little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called Negra Franc. It's from a producer called Cellar Pardas and it's from Penedas. So all those words mean nothing. Right. Gibber, 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 gibber yeah, yeah. What am I going to try here? Yeah. So actually that particular wine is a Bordeaux blend. Okay. So it's grapes from Bordeaux. Yeah. But it's produced further south. So there's more sunshine. So okay. it's a bit hotter. So it's riper. Okay. And there's loads of oak in it. And oak, when you're thinking about, just, you know, when you're reading a description of a bottle of wine, mm. if you read a description of a white wine and all the words that you use to describe it are fruits that grow on trees, lemons, limes, grapefruits. Yeah. Only fruits that grow on trees, nothing else. You know there's no oak in it. It's made in stainless steel. Okay. As soon as you start seeing words come in like vanilla, toast, almonds, things that don't really grow on trees, yeah. butter, cream, that's oak. Okay. And so... And that's from the barrels. And that's from the barrels. So right. it's like, what you know, how do I know if my wine is oaked or not? You know, how do you know how do you yeah. teach people to recognize that? Because for me, wine's just a drink. It doesn't have to be as complicated as, you know, my peers seem to make it out to be. Sure. And so with this one, the the Bordeaux blend from Spain, it's got all this kind of chocolate, caramel, spice, vanilla. So there's loads of oak in it. So you get really opulent Bordeaux flavors with a bit of oak from further south in Europe. Sold. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> it, it, you're absolutely right. It's that sort of a, a approachability, but sort of relatability mm. also that um, you know you have a sort of a, a, a no BS approach to, to to all of it, which I absolutely love. We're going to take a short break, um, and then I want to find out how you got on the telly. <laughs> okay. Welcome back, everybody. So Michelle was just telling us about how we how we taste wine and what it feels like and sort of how we can sort of start expressing it in a different kind of language so we have sort of relatability and it doesn't have to belong to, you know, the sommelier and sort of those highfalutin ways of, of, of being. Tell me about 
how you got approached to be to be on the television because that to me is just it's 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 next level in terms of your visibility but also it stands to the testament of what you've created which is a niche yeah um so i was in quite a lucky position um where i had done so many virtual wine tastings and we had got a lot of referrals a lot of the time mm. and because we were such a small company we could like turn things around very quickly if we had to and prioritise in whatever way and we had um, a couple of things I suppose lined up and normally like when you have that like there's no such thing as luck there's a little bit yeah. of luck and then there's been in the right place at the right time well, the overnight the right success that's taken 10 years <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly um, so I had apply- a few things um, Virgin Media were doing a thing called backing business I don't mm, know if you remember that it, yeah. so I made a video and sent it in which was like great and it went on air, which is brilliant. Yeah. And then um, coupled with that, we had uh, done a paid promotion on Virgin Media um, in late November tied in with um, Black Friday. Right. So we'd spent a bit of money with them. So there's a couple of things, you know, you're on a radar somewhere, yeah. somehow about something. And then um, I was doing a virtual wine tasting for one of the firms in town. And there was a lady, I got an email the next day, she was just a participant, and she said, oh, um, my other half really enjoyed that, can I introduce you? And it was a someone in Virgin. So, and and you know what, it was just, it's amazing how you just don't know who you're talking to at any point. Now, there was just a few things that happened, coupled with that, we ended up doing um, uh, the staff gifting for Virgin Media. Lovely. Like all this, these kind of bits appeared. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, the first time we went Synchronicity. on... Synchronicity. Yeah. Mm. Just, and it was hard work, being in the right place at the right time. Um, I'd be quite, um, I suppose, prominent, or I try to be on LinkedIn, yeah. talk about what I'm doing, where I'm at. And, you know, there's an element of, I like reaching out to people. I love seeing what other people are yeah. doing. It's it's a cool networking place. Like, yeah, to absolutely. be really, what yeah. is it? It's a brilliant networking place yeah. to keep in contact with anyone in your your community, you know? Yeah. And um, stalk people. Yeah, stalk people. Um, <laughs> I know sometimes I'm like, I actually, um, I'll follow them mm. and then I'll like hover around. You know, if there's someone that I, I'd like to connect with and then I might click connect with something message. Uh, but I think it's such a brilliant um, uh, app. Really, yeah, really no, good. it is excellent. Um, and so I, the, the first time I had gone on, um, so I have no media training yeah. at all. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And I was so nervous. I literally sat on the toilet the whole morning before I went in. I was like, oh my God, what if I say the F word? That was my primary Because it's like, yeah. Or any, yeah. any of the other versions of the F word. What if I say any of them? Yeah. Anyway, um, it was quite a hard slot because the previous people who'd been on were really high profile. And okay. there I was. And... Now, Lynn Coyle, who's the wine buyer for O'Brien's, would have been on um, as another female. And then there would have been quite a lot of male um, journalists or thought leaders, voices on. Um, So it was funny. I found like, um, yeah, just to to be brave and back what you're saying and be yourself. And I know that's such, 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 such a cliche thing to say. But I would always just be myself and be authentic about what's in front of me. Now, also lucky, the wines are actually delicious. I'm yeah. not just saying it. Yeah. So if you have a lovely product, yes. it's very easy to talk about it in a passionate way and let other people enjoy it because it's so nice. Um, but a huge thing about it was um, the guys wanted me to do more, I think maybe five or six wines. I was like, no, I can't talk about five or six wines yeah. in seven minutes. Um, yeah. 
there's more to it. You know, it, it deserves it's more of speed a conversation. Drinking. Yeah, it's like speed drinking, but you know, it's it's yeah. you know, otherwise it's just doing that this tastes like Christmas dinner on a summer's evening. <laughs> and the next one tastes like um yeah. autumn's lunch or you know, whatever yeah, it might be. Yeah. So so um I suppose I was wanted to make sure that you could actually have a conversation and theme the wine so that yeah. it's infotainment. You know, yeah, the, absolutely. Pre- the presenters and, and the viewers are learning something that's digestible yeah, and that they can remember. Yeah. And and to be very honest, the year previous that I'd spent doing virtual wine tastings, I'd basically honed in, you know, yes. like you'd honed the art into what what should you say, what what resonates with people, what do people understand, remember and want to, to drink and enjoy. Yeah, so absolutely. I'd had a full on year. Had COVID not happened, I wouldn't have been able for the TV at all because right. I wouldn't have spent, like we would have the December just before I went on TV there was one day where I think we had like over 400 people on virtual wine tastings I had two other presenters wow, as well because I couldn't say no to the business yeah. and so other peers who happened because of COVID weren't working in the restaurants you know yes, so yeah. um, they had agreed to be hosts so they were working with us for about three months and because you know wine tasting no one wants to do one on a Monday lunchtime they're like <laughs> sure. Thursday afternoon Thursday night Friday afternoon Friday night so you've got like a few time slots where you need to make the most you can out of it yeah. pay the wages pay the mortgage absolutely yeah yeah. yeah. so anyway after that the after the first um, TV appearance I got a text from the producer's really lovely lady Sinead saying oh would you come back and I was oh. like God, it wasn't have been that bad and so uh, aside from having the baby and a bit of maternity leave I was on I've been on for two years Incredible, incredible. Mm. And do you like, you enjoy it clearly? Yeah, I love yeah, it. Like, yeah. it's great. The guys are great. The and you're team so is great. yourself, which oh, I adore. You're you. just, you're, you're, you're 100% authentic in everything you do. But I, I think the idea is that you're, you're just, you're naturally very bubbly and you're naturally vivacious and you come across just as completely genuine. I think that that's, you know, you are your biggest selling point, you know, for your, for your business. Um, but you're also selling something that is a great product, as you said, um, but you, that you can believe in. Yeah. So all of those. Yeah things match yeah. up yeah. and it's it's interesting because we have one particular wine on the website at the minute the vintage changed and we tried it and I was like oh I don't like that anymore and I had to take it off because okay. I can't like put my hand on my heart and say that's delicious if it's not and the thing is it's a thing called seller palette um, so it's that you only like the wines you like you only sell the wines you like which is bad because right. everyone likes something different so yes, it's kind of how true. to train yourself and so it's to identify do I not like this because it's not my taste or do I not like this because it's not good and part of my job as a buyer is um, to find wines that are good in every category yes. are, are they typical are they what people want? Are they good value for money? Do they represent everything we believe it's in? It's very hard trying all these wines. Very it? hard. And on Monday I was at a tasting. I reckon I tried 70. Oh my God. Are you yeah. doing this whole spit and... You have to. Yeah, yeah. You okay, have to. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Would, for so yeah. many reasons. Yeah. For so many, so many reasons. Like you wouldn't get around <laughs> the room. You need an ambulance coming yeah. home otherwise. But uh, yeah, no, 100%. What's it like being a woman in the wine industry? Um, I would say uh, one of the reasons why I started the Nude Wine Company was because I felt like a woman in the wine industry. Yeah. In London, I didn't. In Hong Kong, I didn't. Yeah. And I came back to Ireland, I was like, what's it with the man's club? And yeah. I was upset because I wasn't in it. And then I, my boyfriend had said, start your own club. Absolutely. You know, create, your own, create your own tribe. And it was such a powerful um, mm. thing to think about. I was like, maybe I can. And then you have to be brave because you're like, will I, won't I? What if they laugh at me? What if they don't like me? What if whatever? And an actual fact, mm. when you think about it, because I would do a lot of, I suppose, social posts and, and video um, content, I'm not making videos hoping that 
uh, one of my peers is going to buy wine because they're not going to buy wine for me yeah. because they're already in the wine industry. I'm yeah. making them for everybody else. And so you have to nearly remove yourself from that thought process of what will my peers think of me? Because it doesn't matter. But also if you don't have a competition mindset, you've already won. Yeah. Because you're in your own lane, right? Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. I'm always saying that to our students is you find your niche, be in your own lane and stay in that lane and do yeah. that in the in with all of the integrity that you have. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it's such a brilliant piece of advice to give to anyone. And so, but I'd say, I would say the, the female piece is softened out. Yeah. For sure. And I think... There's an element of it's less magnified because I'm not in it. Yeah. So I don't know because I'm now a bit like I'm in a totally different lane. Like I don't, I don't even live on the same road. I'm, <laughs> I'm in Kildare now. I'm not in Dublin. I'm not going to all those things. Yeah. So um, I don't see it. I don't hear it. Um, and an actual fact on social media, I would have blocked a number of um, competitors. Yeah. And not because I don't want them to see what I'm doing. It's because I don't want to be distracted. But it's also it's what noise. It's yeah, it's noise. Yeah. And I'd be, I'd, I get panicked. Why am I doing? Why am I doing this? And I thought, I, you know, my boyfriend's like, just block them. Take the noise out and focus on forward. 100%. How old's your baby now? Oh my gorgeous baba. She's just turned one. Oh, She's the best. I miss her. What's her <laughs> so name? Fia Summer. So um, there was a girl I worked with in Hong Kong called Summer Sun. So yeah. Summer was her um, her English name. Yeah. And Sun was actually just her Chinese surname. And I always thought it was the most beautiful name. Yeah. And I said to Tony, my partner, I was like, oh, can we call her child Summer? And he's like, no. <laughs> So anyway, we got we negotiated. It's Fia Summer. Fia, that's Fia. beautiful. Yeah, yeah gorgeous. Yeah, What's next for you? Oh, we've got big plans this year to grow the business. Um, like we have to get to a point where I suppose we can, for us, it'll be a lifestyle business. Um, yeah. But we have to get it big enough and automated enough that we can step away from it for yes, a few 100%. weeks. And yeah. we haven't really, and we didn't need to in COVID because we couldn't go anywhere anyway. Right. Um, then we had the baby, we couldn't go anywhere anyway. But now we're at a point where like we have to kind of refocus and reshape what we're looking for. Yeah. And we've got a couple of mentors we work with, um, which are great brilliant to have someone else and especially when you're in a business with your partner like sometimes two conversations are too hard and then all of a sudden you have someone else in the room and it's like yeah. oh this conversation is actually really easy actually do you after have all. like a cut off like you know after 8pm no business talk or does it just seep in everywhere um we would have quite a lot of I don't want to talk about it it's not work yeah yeah, yeah. you know and sometimes you're too tired sometimes you might be really motivated about it we've actually booked um a research trip <laughs> I'm doing inverted commas here the yeah. rabbit ears uh, but we're going to Burgundy which is um, on my like bucket list yes. ultimate wine mecca and um, we needed to be able to set up the business that we can leave and that all the automation stuff works yeah. that we can go away for I hope you're a taking a babysitter no. so you can get out no, no we're not taking the baby oh uh, even better <laughs> it's actually because we don't have a passport for her oh yeah sure <laughs> lifeadmin.com um, but yeah uh, great it's, it's, it's a business trip it's a business trip and yeah. sometimes we're, business and life are the same so. 100% well listen they're, they're the same when you find something that you love mm. and, and you generate something that's bringing you so much pleasure if you'd if you could see yourself now from that girl that left for Hong Kong, what would you say to her? I would say do everything that you would have done. Amazing. Mm. No regrets. No. Nothing different. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I've loved every minute of this rip-roaring ride so with you. It's Thank been absolutely you. wonderful. Um, so how do people find your company? So 
Thank you. So you can find us, we're online, www.thenudewineco.ie, on social media, um, Instagram, at Nude Wine Co., Facebook, The Nude Wine Co., YouTube channel, which is my goal for this year, <laughs> 1,000 followers, 4,000 uh, watch hours to be a um, revenue-generating YouTube channel. So that is my goal for this year. Good woman. Well, there's no nothing in me that doesn't think you're going to make this happen. It's absolutely brilliant. Michelle Lawler from The Nude Wine Company, you are a maverick. And I'm delighted to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you.